0: Hello? Welcome to Games and Feelings, an advice show about playing games, being human, and dealing with the fact that those games involve other humans. I am your host and question keeper, Eric Silver, and the trick that actual play podcasts and videos can play on me that makes me clap my hands like a little baby king is when the GM reveals physical objects that they give out to their players, and their players are (laughs) like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Perpetual guest Jasper Cartwright, what is the trick that happens on actual plays? It makes you clap like a baby king.
1: I love it, and I've done, I managed this for the first time uh, a couple months ago, when GMs play sound effects that they time, Mm -hmm. I just, it's Mm -hmm. so satisfying, Mm -hmm. and I did it the other day where I described a crack of lightning as I hit the space bar on my computer (laughs) and it went, (laughs) that's awesome, (laughs) and it was like, yes, I felt like God, it was like the closest I have come to feeling like God, and it was amazing.
0: What I like (laughs) about that in both ways is if it's a large crew, you really did get like 10 people to make sure this all happened. At the same time, but if you're doing it by yourself, you're like you're you're so good at OBS, you actually <laughs> got lightning crack to happen. Both yeah. are equally impressive. Hey, Brian Flaherty, uh, TTRPG podcast producer uh, of my first dungeon. What's the part of actual play podcasts and videos that makes you clap like a baby king?
2: I like it when the the game masters are describing something really epic, and there's music behind it. And the music is swelling, and then the music cuts out or ends right before they say the most
0: important impactful sure. line. Ooh, it gets me every, especially
2: if that's right at the end yeah. of the episode.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yes, please. Satisfying. Can I so. say, though, you could say literally anything and with that amount of backing and it would sound epic. Oh, for, music is the cheat code to podcasts mm. and film.
2: Like just yeah. start
0: throwing in music anytime
2: you want. You're gonna learn really quickly how to make things sound really cool for sure.
0: I'm now trying to think of the silliest thing that I could read aloud that I could do right now, and then Misha would make it sound really, really epic. Uh,
1: can you describe the uh, the process of not not like actually eating food, but the process of going to the shop and buying the food?
0: Okay, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: no, no, everybody, wait, it's gonna be worth it, it's gonna it's be true. worth it. Come on, it's gonna be worth it, it's gonna yeah. be worth it, go, go,
0: The first thing you have to do is write down all the ingredients you need. Nothing's more frustrating to you than realizing you needed something for a really important meal, and then, and then realizing you left something at home. Then, if you have a grocery store you like, you gotta go to the good grocery store that you like. Or, if you don't have a good grocery store you like, you have to go to the bad grocery store, and then they're out of pork belly. But today, there's a special on rotisserie chicken.
3: Boom! Oh my gosh!
0: This episode produced by Yeah, by yeah, it's yeah, Misha Stanton. It's always Misha Stanton. That's <laughs> right. It's always Misha Stanton. I was gonna write the read the lyrics of Rubber Ducky from Er. Uh, Rubber Ducky, yeah. you're the one. Rubber Ducky, you're the one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Have you ever seen William Shatner do like a dramatic reading of something yes oh for sure <laughs> so
0: fun just like that uh, well obviously we're not going to talk about rubber ducky the whole time but we could This is, we're talking about actual play crunchy stuff how mm-hmm. to make actual play content Uh, Jasper, you and I talk about this stuff all the time, but I decided to find Brian roaming the streets of Brooklyn, New York, Mm -hmm. uh, who just so happened to come through to the studio in person. It's been really fun. You mean
1: you went out and found an actual professional?
0: (laughs) Yes, I did. Yes, I did.
1: That was a good
0: idea. Yes. That's a good idea, man. In my well, pro- <laughs> in my professional office, it's like a little piece of cheese. It's like, I don't want to be in my wee work anymore. Can I come hang out with you? <laughs> it's like, oh, this seems nice in here. And then I close the trap and you can't leave yeah. and you're mine. You can't now.
2: Leave. It's a really nice trap. I, mean, I don't know. I, I could stay in here for a couple yeah. of days. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. There's a yeah. big
0: bottle on the wall for you to like lick up
2: water <laughs> coming yeah. coming out of little droplets. <laughs> and and if you just tell me how to work that little like wheel that dispenses the treats, like I'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That that uh, that wheel also edits the podcast, so you just got to go back and forth on it. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Brian, my, where might my people know you from? I know that you've been doing some really tight shit lately. Uh,
2: yeah, you, people might know me from uh, My First Dungeon. It's a tabletop role-playing podcast uh, I produce along with Elliot Davis, Chinook Sarah, and Abby Hepworth. Uh, it's a tabletop role-playing podcast where we help first-time game masters build and run their very first one-shot and then circle back around to discuss what went right, what went wrong, and how we can make their games even better. Uh, so basically, we try out a bunch of new systems, uh, bring together a bunch of people to try it out, and then talk to the creators about what went right and what went wrong. And it's all just about having fun.
0: For sure. I also want to shout out the 20-sided newsletter, which you've, oh, currently, yes! you've currently been doing a real deep dive on how to make actual play content, which honestly, uh, teaching people how to do stuff good. That's just my personal thing, my hot take. <laughs>
2: Yeah, 27 Newsletter, we're very proud of it. It's a weekly newsletter for people who like games, make games, and like making games. I'm all about taglines today, apparently. It's good. (laughs) It's good shit. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. And you uh, were just in our most recent issue uh, uh, giving some advice about uh, actual play podcast production. It was fun. Listen, it's all I You got
0: Eric to give you advice
2: on? I did. I mean, yeah, I was desperate. I, I had to round it out. Yeah, so. I was talking yeah, to Brian about
0: how to be really, really grumpy online so no one takes you seriously.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it, he sent me like a dissertation. I I had to edit it down into a blurb. But he, he seems happy, so he was like, "Fuck me!" <laughs> I edit it down to a blurb. and fuck... I changed all the words, but <laughs> yeah. you
1: know, otherwise it was basically Eric.
2: I had to put the whole thing in quotes.
0: So I don't know. <laughs> It's like, this This does not count as the uh, (laughs) ideas and opinions of the person creating the newsletter. (laughs) This Uh, Well, wonderful. I have a lot of questions here, both for me and from people who have written in questions about what it's like to make actual play content. But first, let's talk about the games that are giving us feelings. Tabletop RPG edition. Let's recommend a independent tabletop RPG that we really like and the feeling that it gives us. You got to give me an adjective like we're doing a live journal post, which is a really good... Good example that lots of people understand
1: uh, I'm going to shout out the uh, Avatar, the last airbender uh, TTRPG, because uh, I know some people that worked on it, and uh, it's super cool, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet, mostly just because I haven't managed to get a crew together mm-hmm. and because the way my brain works, I'm like, hey, I should do this on a podcast, instead of just doing anything for fun now, I monetize I'm it on the same or thing. attempt to do that, and therefore I don't do anything for fun anymore, so that's why I haven't played it yet but I really want to play it, and I've already checked out the rules and they're sick and it's cool and obviously the new TV series is coming out on Mm. Netflix which I have mixed emotions about but anyway I just thought it was a good tie in go check it out go support those people I think it's Magpie Games Magpie Games correct
0: What's what's the feeling you get? Is it? Uh... Oh, uh,
1: the feeling I get is I is it is it too was it too recent to say nostalgia? No, nostalgia Is that, is that it's yeah? Because I feel like as a kid it was like my entire shit. Like I lo- I've watched the last I literally recently watched through the entire. Oh, of course, of of course. um, Always good for uh, love. So much. So yeah, nostalgic is what I'm gonna say.
0: Then nostalgic counts also. I saw a tweet going around that's like, you know, they call them spaghetti westerns because they were westerns made in Italy. I think that Mm. we should call this group of cartoons. Hamburger anime Because they're United States made <laughs> anime And Avatar The Last Airbender Is number Hamb- one in that list hamburger And I feel anime. like that genre specifically Conjures so much nostalgia I feel like it was when we were all for in sure. high school yeah. was the, like, the peak of hamburger anime
1: Hamburger anime, I love it okay. I'll link to, I'll yeah, link to that sense. tweet That tweet's
0: absolutely incredible That's
1: that's an unbelievable tweet uh, I hope that went viral for you Oh it did, Oh, 100%. Sure it <laughs> went viral <laughs> in my heart
0: And then I got sick and I had to lay down for three days
1: Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> having a viral film in your heart is dead. It's, it's really bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, I went yeah. to the it's hospital. True, that's yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad you got that. Definitely checked solved out. Dude, in three days good. as well.
0: Yeah, it, it was fine. <laughs> I was totally fine, and it was all good. Uh, Brian, what's a tabletop <laughs> RPG that's giving you feelings? Ooh, this is this is a nostalgic
2: day too, uh, because I'm also feeling nostalgic about Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast, the new uh, oh, slice yeah. of life game from Possum Creek and Jay Dragon and Veslech uh, and a bunch of other people, because uh, that game is just it. Honestly, in the rules, it describes itself as like a half remembered Saturday morning cartoon and it absolutely gives off those vibes. i mm. um, been playing a bunch of that recently and it is so much fun.
0: It's incredible. I feel like it's doing a lot of stuff that people have been trying to do in tabletop RPGs, but only like suggesting it or skirting at it or like, Oh, we're, we we I wish we could have done it, but it doesn't make any sense really to put it in print. And then they're just like, "Oh no, we're just going to do all this stuff and actually make a whole game surrounded by it." Doing a lot of things that we haven't seen in a game like that before. Possum Creek just does not miss. No. They are so good.
2: I everything that Possum Creek puts out, I strongly highly recommend. Um especially uh Wander Home, Isabel's Bed and Breakfast, uh Sleep yeah. Away are all phenomenal. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to give also a special shout out to Jay because uh, we went to a party at their house after some, <laughs> I think it was Pax Unplugged and it was in Philly. And oh, that's nice. where Amanda ran into her only friend from college who she hasn't seen for six years.
1: Whoa. Whoa. That's a one. What a, what a lovely. Yeah. That's just so wholesome. It was wild. I love, I love that. That guy so
0: also, that guy Roy also went to the same LARP camp as Brennan Lee Mulligan. It's really wild. Wow. Wow. Wow! Look at that. Absolutely wild. Look at that. Um, I want to feel. uh, Hey, I'm not going to feel nostalgic for this one. I want to feel victorious on behalf of Triangle Agency, which is a new game coming out from Haunted Mm. Table Games. Shout out to my good friend Caleb. I actually was able to play test a little bit of this. Basically, Jasper, it's Control, the tabletop RPG. Oh, yeah, I'm down. I'm a thousand percent down. Paranormal Investigation, Tabletop RPG, clock into work and protect the world in this game of paranormal abilities, corporate horror and dangerous anomalies. Uh, their goal on Kickstarter was uh, a smidge under $10,000. is currently raised as of recording $187,999. They're absolutely fucking Ooh. crushing it. And as of recording, it has 14 days to go. I think by the time that this is out, it will have like a few, just a few days left But I'm sure you can buy this on Backerkit because it is currently thriving and will be here for a very long time. This game is really fun and is also exploring a genre you don't really see. Mm -hmm. Form following function, I think, is a really important thing coming from independent games of like, why are we playing this game? What is it doing that it can't get from anywhere else? It's like this is going to tell us how to play a paranormal game where you work for an agency where they shut down paranormal shit yeah it's absolutely very very cool
2: i back that at like the highest tier like day two
0: oh yeah it's so fun it's so it, it's really really fun
1: I'm probably going to go back to this right now honestly yeah, <laughs> because it looks great yeah. there's
0: also like three the, the thing about character creation there's a, there's I can't remember the thing off the top of my head but there's basically three separate things you choose like you know how you in Dungeons and Dragons you choose like species and class and background it's that like, by applying this to a different game system you still are able it, it's even more refined of the the moves that you get from the three different things you get for your class mm-hmm. it's like who you are is as a person, you have your abilities as a paranormal agency guy. And then on top of that, you have your job shit that you have at the agency. Like all, And then all of those give you different moves. Love Dope it. as hell. It's really, really good. I'm feeling really victorious. Shout out to uh, Caleb and Haunted Table Games. All right, folks. You want to? You want to? You want to do some questions? Do you want
1: to talk about actual play stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say? I want to say just a huge thank you to Brian. Uh, I don't know whether it's just your presence here, but that is the quickest we have ever gotten <laughs> to questions. Uh, and I think that should be marked. I want to. want to thank you. We might need you to come back, honestly, because the people might really love getting some of their questions actually read we out
0: for a change. We answer questions. This I have. <laughs> Dude, we are. No, no, on. no, no, no. Back on track. No, back on track. No.
2: This thanks has gone on long enough. It's question time. <laughs> yes. No, no, question
1: that's time. That's all we need, Brian.
0: That's all we need, Brian. Go, Eric. <laughs> Jasper, we answered so many questions no, in this episode. No, that's a bit. Answer the, the question. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, Brian's like, All right, so I think the first thing that we have to do is set the table here. So people might know me from Join the Party. You might know Jasper from Three Black Halflings and the various things they guess on. And uh, Brian, you just introduced uh, my first dungeon and the wonderful things that you're doing over there. Uh, but I think that a good place to start is why do you all think the actual play, genre slash art form works why do you like it and why do you think people like it to be clear of what our definition of actual play is i think that these are podcasts and videos and streams where people play a tabletop rpg but sometimes not a tabletop rpg any game and kind of role play through it and tell a story as fueled by the mechanics of that game would Mm -hmm. we all agree yeah Mm -hmm. okay yeah and then then as people make digital products because of that I want to drill down on the what it's like making this thing.
2: Yeah. Nice. Heck yeah. So I, I kind of think what people love about it. So in general, I think that people don't follow story or something. Like people care about story, but it's not the thing they come back for. People come back for people. Mm-hmm. Like you follow your favorite people, you know, you know, influencer culture, whatever. But if you love a person, you want to support them. And I think that there's like a dual nature of actual play shows where there is the story and then there is the behind the scenes story of the people making the story. And those are happening Mm. simultaneously. So you get to watch a story being made and you also get to watch the story happen, which is just like you don't get that anywhere. Like there's a reason people watch like behind the scenes featurettes and stuff because you want to see that process and process is interesting. And in actual play, you get to see both at the same time and you get to see how people make it and how that, you know, the things they do right, the things they do wrong and, and how it comes together. And it's just a really cool bit of magic. It is just always interesting even like kind of anyone it, it's a fun thing that it feels like anyone can do because there's just kind of an inherent magic to it yes
1: uh, well i was gonna say uh first of all i think that's a, a really great uh, point that uh, brian's brought up i think that we live in a world now where we're kind of all we all really want that kind of like personal connection and personal feeling And i think that uh you don't get that from most other like mainstream media you don't get that from a tv show or a, or a film mm-hmm. because they're kind of set up in a way to make all the people feel inaccessible and kind of uh you know our on a sort of pedestal so it's harder to empathize and, uh, with them so I think that's a, a really good point the point that I wanted to make however was um, kind of a bit like the the horror uh, like a horror analogy here which is that for me personally the scariest thing is always the unknown and they like once I see the bad guy or the demon or whatever mm. it is I'm like slightly less scared of the movie as a whole just because I'm kind of I can kind of quantify what it is roughly um, and I kind of feel like the same rule applies for our imagination when it comes to actual play which is that like like our limitless ability to imagine things uh, it kind of gets kicked into overdrive by actual play. We get the ability to like dream into these worlds and sculpt a picture for ourselves. So not only do they feel huge, amazing and incredible, but they also feel slightly personal because my version of uh, a particular world is going to feel different from your version of that particular world, even though we're hearing the same stimulus. It's I think there's something about the lack of kind of clear visual that that allows you to kind of dream into it and I think that it it just kind of unlocks people's imagination in a really really rewarding way Mm. and in a way where I think people are less critical of it as a medium because inherently they have a more of a stake in it you know what i mean so like if the world's not clicking for you then it could also just be that this isn't your vibe and i think people get that a bit more inherently because they're like well i just can't imagine it you know what i mean uh whereas it's different in like a tv show if that doesn't kind of look great or whatever people are like immediately able to kind of criticize or or whatever it may be so yeah i think something about the kind of boundless uh imaginative space that it allows the listeners uh or watchers uh or, or whatever to occupy i think is one of the reasons why as popular as it is.
0: I have to say that's also why I like podcasts the most out of all these Mm -hmm. three uh, media that I've assumed. I mean, I also love watching streams and I also love the editing that goes into actual play videos. But like being able to imagine everything in my head and not really having any sort of Visual stimulus about like, oh, what is a character supposed to look like from especially because it's locked into kind of like the artists version of it? I'm like, no, this is who it is in my head. That's why I love fan artists fan artists making content. I'm just like I love show me what you think I said is honestly my single favorite thing and it ends up Mm. being a little bit more participatory because. As, like,
2: I can remember explicitly where I was when I heard, like, certain moments of my first listen through of, like, the Adventure Zone Balance arc. Yes. Like, I know exactly where I was on 23rd Street when, like, that first music cue came in and buried Blue Jeans came back. Yeah. Like, I knew what I was, because I was imagining the world. I was participating in that creation a bit more passively than the players, but you're still participating. When you're watching something on a screen, it's just coming at you and you don't have to work at all, Mm -hmm. really, to consume it. Whereas, when you're listening to an actual play, you can kind of, tune that dial however you want, but when you're really into it, you are Mm. very actively creating that world with the players, even though you're not at the table.
0: I agree. Yeah. Um, There are some other comps to other media that I've been thinking about in terms of, like, seeing behind the scenes things on TV shows. Um, It's, like, what people love about wrestling, I think, is also Mm. what people love about actual play, is that you don't know what's real and what's not, and then, like, shifting that kaleidoscope constantly of seeing if the people playing the game are also doing something it's like there's something else at work other than just telling the story and honestly like seeing a game do something that makes everyone else jump is my single favorite thing that happens Mm -hmm. in actual play and it's something i really wish more people leaned into because it's like the game is the engine if i like if a TV show is a car and a movie Mm. is like a bus because it's like a bigger (laughs) version of it, it's like, well, this is going to take me where I want to go. A bus I can go on, it's going to bring me somewhere and a car is also going to bring me somewhere in a longer route uh, than what I'm excited about. But like, Uh, an actual play show is supposed to be this totally other beast it's supposed to like go in the water it's supposed to fly or it's supposed to dig underground because the Mm -hmm. engine is the game I like that a game turns into story it's this alchemy that is I thought the whole point of the genre and seeing like the art going in different directions I think is really interesting Um, and also uh, I think it's like you know certainly worth uh, like capital C criticism uh, for people to examine it and the different things that happen with this particular mm. medium, and I mean, I—I've been calling it an art form because I'm a, a pretentious New Yorker with a beard, uh, but like, <laughs> but like yeah, the actual art form, it. it's like I, I want, I want crit. You know, I really do want crit. Yeah, I—I th- I, I think that that
1: it just sparked something there as well like just using the vehicle metaphor I think the air of spontaneity about yes. it you know like yeah. I think the, the the fact that the vehicle can change and that it is supported by the mechanics means that like you get something that truly feels alive you know what I mean yeah. it doesn't feel staged or you know it doesn't feel like some algorithm has said like well this guy's kind of hot so he's going to live till the end of the movie sure. you know what I mean it's <laughs> like that's not the case here and not only that you know for me this is my favorite thing about uh. RPGs in general, which is when you get towards the end of a session and as the GM you go, oh, I know how this ends. Like Everything kind of clicks into place. You have that moment where the story is just unfolding in your mind and your players are with you on that same you know, like they're also locked in. Maybe they don't fully understand the full arc of it yet, but they they kind of feel the direction that we're all moving to. And as a table, you come together and kind of almost like land the plane. You know what I mean? It's almost like the, 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 the passengers don't necessarily know it, but they're sat in the right places. That means that this plane uh, that's struggling to land or Whatever makes it easier to land. I, that's a terrible metaphor, but you kind of get what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like the idea that everyone is working together to stick the landing, but also the landing, because everyone is in that space, feels kind of inevitable. It's like, yeah, this is this is going to happen and it's going to be beautiful and, and seamless.
0: And I just think it's such an enjoyable feeling when you're like,
1: oh, that's it. That's the end. I can feel it. It's right there. Like, that's It's so good.
0: That's cool. I like the idea that, like, the GM is driving a plane, but they need, like, all of the passengers to be like, hey, so, what, So like, I need you to dream up what, what the landing gear looks like. Everyone think about it together. Let's Come do on, it. Come on, everybody. Let's imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. It yeah, and
1: does. then one passenger like, oh, sorry, you, you have landing gear, though. That, that's, you just asking us to do this like a fun game You it's just an exercise right
0: you have the exercise, mechanical piece we have I have yeah. landing gear but what what do you want landing gear to look like theoretically uh, do, uh, could, could you just uh, what's
1: the safest I think is probably honestly
2: I, I would,
0: want it to talk like exactly what you have
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> no, no, what, no, what, I, yeah, I actually thanks.
0: don't want to it'll do be you a surprise it'll be a fun surprise for all of us and we like, don't tell you
1: and then your kid pipes up and it's like I think it should be a uh, uh, inflatable uh, inflatable no, flamingo no, no, no. hell oh,
3: yeah
2: yeah. <gasps> Boom, the, one, the, the one word everyone <laughs> oh, no. wants on, to hear on an airplane is surprise <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> that must be like on a, there must be a, like a list of like banned words on airplanes and surprise has to be one of them
2: I, I, <laughs> like just yelling surprise, yelling surprise has to be on the no-go list so i, I was on a flight once uh going from new york uh, i'm from columbus ohio so i was flying from new york to columbus and the oh, pilot... I really sniped that out of the yeah, air. Yeah, you said. I was Columbus saying earlier, earlier,
0: I was like, man, I don't know why people live in these major cities. Like Columbus is great; it's where all these artists moved and stuff. And I'm just, and I just shot that out of the air
2: in the moment. I was like, does he? <laughs> did he like research me and know something? No, I didn't know that. What a weird thing to know. Uh, but I was flying yeah. to Columbus, and the pilot gets on, you know, to say like, hey, everybody, you know, I'm your pilot. We're cruising, we're flying out to whatever. And he goes, oh, so right now we're in a little jet stream. It looks like we're going, wow. For, and, and then he proceeds to tell us wow. Yeah, that, again, that's what But I was like, what are words. you talking Literally. about? Like, you should, no pilot should ever be surprised about how fast the plane is going. <laughs>
1: no, but it, again, I, just, I really want to petition, if this isn't a thing, wow <laughs> has to be on the list of bad words. If I hear one of the flight attendants look towards something that I can't truly see out of the window and go wow like that's <laughs> bad that's
0: so bad like I can't handle He's a flight attendant <laughs> sitting down and putting on their seat belt the equivalent of a player going uh oh <laughs>
3: <laughs> like a veteran
1: player yeah, being yeah. like, "Oh,
0: I know what happens next." Oh, geez.
1: Yeah, yeah, or like them looking down at their character sheet all of a sudden and just not looking up at you for the next five minutes because they're furiously going
0: through their. Yeah. That's the
1: equivalent of plugging in. The- uh,
0: I would love to have a quick conversation about this because I think we're joking about it. But it's like, how much do you want to know about a DM or a GM revealing how they feel while things are going on? Or, or whatever. Because a thing that I struggle with a lot is Mm. me saying, oh, I didn't prepare any of that. Or me saying, I actually spent three straight days coming up with this thing. And then I think that either way, I'm unsatisfied because I think the thing that I'm now giving up is the magic of my players knowing what or what did not happen. Mm. Even if it's afterwards. I'm like, do I want to tell you about what I did? Because then like the magic trick is gone. The kaleidoscope is one of the lenses of the kaleidoscope is fully away. And now you're just like, oh, look at that pretty glass. That glass is pretty pretty. So just to continue with the metaphor, because you brought up
2: magic, uh, I used to be a close-up magician. And I, I've studied like a lot of magic, especially, especially card magic. I love it. I still love it to this day. But for a long time, I fell in love with watching it because I was like, I knew all the trick. Like I knew what right. it was, and I could appreciate it for like the craft, but I was just like, okay, I see he's doing the top pass, and then he's doing the class, mm-hmm. whatever, yada, yada. Yeah, I feel
3: and,
0: that way when I watch uh, GMs on streams. I'm like, right. oh, I see the top I pass. I see the trick.
3: But, but <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're,
0: yeah. it's like this item is on the back of your hand, I see it. <laughs> but there is something about that, that
2: the more you know, there will come a moment, no matter what art form you're learning about, where you'll see something that you can't explain, that like, that Mm. gets you. And like, I can think of certain magic tricks, like I saw them, and I know about as much as like a a pretty active hobbyist can know. And it absolutely blew me away. And when you get those moments, the magic of it is heightened by tenfold. Mm. Because I know so much, I know, oh, I know all the tricks in the book, I know everything that could possibly happen. And then someone gets you, that's when it feels really good, uh, Mm. if that makes sense yeah i think
1: that's a really good analogy actually i think the idea of crafting a story needs some air of mystery Mm -hmm, i think for me like for me to kind of like fully immerse myself in something i want to make i i want it to feel as organic as kind of possible Mm. Uh, i quite enjoy learning stuff after the fact you know what i mean because then i've had i feel like for me if i wouldn't mind like a dm's journal coming out like after i've listened to a whole series you know what i mean just to like find out like how their experience was and you know, and they don't have to go into too much detail. I think that's fine, but I think definitely think like whilst I'm in it, I definitely love having that air of mystery, that mm. kind of like uh, feeling of like building this world feels somehow organic you know what I mean because when I'm listening to something or watching something you know I'm even though I am a, a producer and even though I've been on film sets and I've do you know what I mean I've made video games you know what I mean I like I'm not sitting there playing a video game thinking like ah oh, I wonder what that was like in the volume that day you know what I mean I'm not, like, it doesn't do you know what I mean like so but but maybe if it's like a constant stream of like BTS footage around this video sure. game maybe I am then thinking right. about it you know what I mean can I
0: I can I put a pin in something you just said as someone who works mm. with video games and this is games and feelings and i also yeah. spend a lot of time listening to like video game podcasts and reading video game criticism online but then it becomes mm. like that thing where everyone's like mm, wow these jumps don't feel good or oh all these games need to be 60 fps no mm. they don't they actually mm. don't but then it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. then it becomes this these catechisms or almost these like these uh words that people latch onto of what people think is the stuff in video games, right? I'm just wondering if as this art form is developing and because there is not really much capital C crit, now it becomes just like, Oh, I love this, or or if I say too much about my I mean, listen, we're doing it here because I do want to talk about it. But it's like I'm just Mm -hmm. but it's like if I say too much on the same feed, and Jasper, I know, actually both of you know this. Still saying if I say something on the same RSS feed that has the the art on it and also the talkback on it, am I giving Mm -hmm. people language that only makes them turns them into smarks? like smart marks to use a wrestling term but then Uh, like all the but then all the fun is taken away I know people in wrestling love mm -hmm. being a smart and love seeing the seams and they love into that but I don't know if the love is still there if you see the seams of like how much work goes into it but then again I'm just being Mm -hmm. very this is like something I've been wrestling with quite a lot
1: yeah I I think it's about the how general it feels for for me do you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I think it's like it's very easy for me to disassociate as someone who you know has like still studied uh like film for a long time it's very easy for me to disassociate when watching a film but if i'd already seen the like uh, like how it was made about that exact movie already Mm -hmm. i'd probably be sat there going like oh yeah i remember they did that it's almost actually it's almost a bit like with the mission impossible movies i think this is probably a very good example because we all know how the big (laughs) stunt Happens before the movie comes out now. Now that's part of it, and I think that that's a b- bit of a test case, but I can almost guarantee, even if it doesn't necessarily make it wetter or worse, that absolutely fundamentally changes how you then perceive that moment. Because I will now be sat in a cinema caring for Tom Cruise's life, yeah. not yeah. for <laughs> the life of his character. Right. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, oh, oh, God, oh, he's actually on the side of a building, or what? Do you know what I mean? It's like a very different thing because it's a very specific example Mm. so i think in my head i'm like as long as i can disassociate by going like this is generally how stuff's made but i don't know exactly how this was made at the time of watching it i think i can disassociate enough to enjoy the medium if that makes sense
0: but i also think that that comes with like 150 years of modern film criticism so that's also why i'm (laughs) feeling a little bit (laughs) self-conscious about what i do now where like what the we already touched on this a little bit but I feel like things got kicked off with balance with the adventure zone which started around 2016 if I remember correctly or the first correct. episode came out in 2015 on the my brother my brother and me feed and then they spun it off to a full show but remember a show called not another Dungeons and Dragons podcast began in 2018 <laughs> so like we're yeah. I don't know what that signals necessarily um, but it certainly signals that like the genre was starting to mature I don't know if people were getting tired of it now and now it's kind of kicked off from there, mm. so I don't
2: know. I I I, could, I honestly could go either way on this. So part of it, like me as a consumer of media, I do like digging into those seams and like seeing how things are made as they're being made. Like we were talking about before, uh, I love the podcast startup, yes. which is about like a podcast about making a podcasting company. So, and I think there's something great about that, like because you're seeing something being, you're consuming something at the same time as you're seeing it being made. You kind of form a deeper connection because you're watching the trials and tribulations of it happening. Mm-hmm. So, I do enjoy that. But at the same time, I do love the mystery and the excitement of not knowing what the magic is. Like, I think there is a great joy in feeling that, like, oh my god I can't believe they planned that 20 episodes ahead and look at they've been laying these breadcrumbs the whole time not realizing that the dm's like making it up as they
0: go um, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, no yeah, I, I'm fully yeah. prepared I don't know what you're talking about and, and
2: it's also nice to like have I, I I firmly believe that like tabletop role-playing games are something everyone can and should do like yeah. it's not a magic that is that difficult to attain wow you're saying also dick cheney should play tabletop <laughs> <laughs> wow you know what maybe he'd be better for <laughs> it who knows <laughs> <laughs> if we had Dick Cheney play Wanderhome, you're saying this world wouldn't be a little bit better? <laughs> He'd be the one guy with a gun in Wanderhome. He'd be yes, that one man.
0: And, yes. man. and yes, I there is a there is a veteran class, a veteran playbook with, with in Wanderhome, sword. right? Yes, when and if you kill someone, you immediately have to stop playing the character, and Dick Cheney will be like, man, I shoot, I shoot that frog. It's <laughs> like, all right, Dick, I you're shoot gone, right, you're done we're, done, we're done. You we played going. one session, you're done.
2: But maybe he would learn from that. He would shoot someone, then be like, what? I don't get to play this great game anymore. No, there
0: are yeah. consequences of you shooting someone dick cheney
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) i wonder actually whether there is a slightly pre-agreed language to all of this as well because i do think there are some things that we kind of as a community go oh we're okay with knowing that because everyone knows Mm. the classic like oh we've met a goblin his name is pants face yes (laughs) yeah is exactly what i'm talking about that goblin's gonna go on the journey and we know that's like the bit that we all know but like like you said though that like breadcrumb trail of like then big reveal did the dm just make that up or did you know had was that the plan the whole time that we don't know and i feel like that's the enjoyable stuff to not know Mm -hmm. whereas like the little things that almost become like inside jokes of like oh yeah they they screwed up they've named that goblin pants face and now pants face is going to be Coming on the journey. Now, pants home.
2: face is a fan favorite. He's got so much fan. <laughs> yeah, eye.
1: exactly. That, that, that's I think like an agreed thing because you can then feel the and as a DM you can play into that and you can be like, oh, pl- uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's me, pants face, and it becomes this big, funny, you know, and I think that's as much a part of the medium as well because it's like, oh, we've all played TTRPGs, we've all had that experience with our GMs, and you know, and how desperately they've wanted to get rid of a pants face, but yet here we are, and it's kind of relatable
0: and funny. Oh, as don't Pants face. Pants face comes oh, back yeah, 18 face. months later and saves one of your characters by sacrificing Pants Face's self. You know, Pants on- Face has no pronouns. It's just Pants Face. Honestly, it's just Pants Face. <laughs> Pants Face, Pants Face. Pants We're face. joking. But like the the biggest like
2: mic drop moment for me that like first got me to really, truly, truly, truly love TTRPGs was the adventure zone they introduced a character like episode three when Barry they blue realized jeans, like, they yeah. can be
0: funny they introduced Barry blue jeans who's like a bit character uh and, and was he, straight was just like a quest giver in the minds of Fandelver. yeah fifth edition like a uh, written module but Spo- yeah they say his real name they're like ah, oh, fuck that We're, let's call him uh berry blue
2: jeans and there's an ep- there's an episode uh, spoilers for balance arc yes um there's an episode like 60 episodes in where Barry Blue Jeans has died in like episode 10 mm. and Barry Blue Jeans comes back and I know exactly where I was in Gowanus. I know what groceries I was carrying when that happened because I stopped and went holy shit and that's an it's amazing Barry moment Blue. Jeans, I love him. He said really loudly in the middle of the show. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not that far off. And how many like <laughs> mediums, how many artistic mediums make you do that? Mm. Right? We probably get, honestly, we probably get like one TV show a year. Yeah. That maybe
0: you get like, can I maybe. also say something about podcasts that you did that in a grocery store and you, you're not going you have to do that yeah. while you're sitting mm. on your couch for anything that's yeah. visual. It is fun. It can happen
2: yeah. anywhere you're putting on your headphones. Whereas everything else is kind of like a ritualized. Okay, we go to the theater, we sit down, we have our popcorn, which Just I love. Are, I, which I love. Yeah, I'm not taking mm, away from it. Yeah, for sure. But you're you're going in prepared for this to maybe happen with a podcast Hell that yeah. can kind of happen anywhere. In the same way that like the first time I listened to Serial I was like working out at the gym and like that was cereal, an interesting. Do you know Serial
1: Jasper? I've had so many people try to get me to w- listen to Serial and I I know It's okay.
2: Will, it, it, it's fine. It yeah. was cool in the moment. Oh. It, when it, when oh, it was okay, of cool. the Zeitgeist oh, it was goodness. Goodness. important. it's now gonna gonna be, It's going to be
0: now like when you watch like oh my god this movie from the 50s incredible and you you watch it and I was like it's so slow what's going on It's like oh no yeah. they were the first one to do all of these things. Yeah. I had that yeah, same yeah, thing that, with
2: with uh, Lethal Weapon I watched it the first time and I was like oh, these are all tropes. And I realized, like, oh, no, literally all the tropes came they from... They invented Earth. it, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, We were literally talking about Lost. We did a big episode on Lost. Uh, yeah, Three yeah, and yeah. H, yeah. Uh, and it was, like, very much the same
0: thing of going through and being like, oh, my God, they they really invented the wheel. <laughs> like, you know, it's like <laughs> this is part of a big deal. I want to pivot a little bit because I think we're touching on some stuff that, like, it's almost like the, especially because I've been, this is, I promise I didn't want to plug it like this, but, like, I've recently uh, uh gotten on TikTok and seeing the D and D memes kind of evolve in a different way. So it's funny how like these inside jokes of playing tabletop RPGs has now defined our understanding and enjoyment of this mm. art form of this of this medium. So I think that I do, uh, we have a lot of questions here that are a lot of related to the difference between playing on a microphone and playing at mm. home either before we started yeah. um, making actual play content or after, I mean, honestly, <laughs> let's just- After? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you mean you can start creating content and then you can go back to having a fun time with your friends? No. Good, yeah, Carl, yeah, the, a, a lot of
0: these questions weird. came from the Multitude and Join the Party discords, and you're all wonderful. This one came from Carl's, has doing an actual play affected how you feel about home games being more of a pastime? Basically, does it feel like more yeah. work rather than a fun reprieve? It, it's of sorts funny, both of me world. and Jasper are aggressively nodding Furious, our heads. Seriously nodding. <laughs> uh-uh. um. I, I, I agree, I started a home game with like guys who make actual play stuff and I'm like, oh, man, this is so much fun. I love it. And then, of course, it fell off because we didn't have the time to schedule more of it. And it was like, oh, yeah. we we're all just sitting on our hands during the height of the pandemic. And then as soon as that went away, we stopped playing. And Yeah, I had yeah. the same thing. I yeah. did
2: 52 weeks straight during the pandemic with a great group. Mm. Uh, and mm-hmm. we haven't picked it back up. Yeah, yeah. we did. The
0: only thing. thing that we did was, like, make stupid jokes, being like, wow, if I did this, I'd really get canceled. And it was, like, rolled the hit. It was just, like, a lot of <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> But if we're like, at the uh, point of like where we were all saying dark jokes uh, about that when we had nothing better, it's like that yeah. was only the only thing I couldn't do because it's yeah. not funny for other people to hear.
1: This is the the weird thing. I would be more than willing to play in a home game. I just cannot bring myself to DM a home game. Mm, that's fair. like mm. that's way t- like prepping for a, a
0: home game is way too much. Just like work now. You know I'll a I mean? game for you, bud. We don't have to record. I like GMing on, not on a microphone. It feels like I'm putting up shots at the gym if I was a basketball player. Sure. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, okay, I, that's the way that I look. That, That's, that's like, how
1: I feel. That's just, honestly how I feel yeah. as a player. Like, that's how I feel when I get to play when I'm not on a microphone, is like, oh, I just get to feel like I'm stretching, testing some yeah. stuff, seeing if things work. It's kind of nice. It's kind of fun and freeing. It's just like, it's prep for me. Like, I've always said to my, my home game friends, I'm like, look, I'll run you... We'll run a completely improvised campaign if you're down to do yeah. that. Because... I just don't have the wherewithal to be sat for like hours going through the like, okay, what's King Wenslessless up to right. or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Is he, like is just... he making
0: Christmas worse? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. Do you guys find yourself
2: uh, in like recorded actual play shows doing less prep over time?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think mm. I think it, well, it it depends on what it is. Sure, but I think. It's it's the it's the same way that I approach acting, right? Which is that like I think when I first started, it was really about like I've got to do X, like one through ten checklists right. to make sure that I'm yeah. fully prepared to do this. Whereas as I've got better and as I've got older and I've got more used to it and I'm in more of a rhythm, I go okay, actually like four of the things on this checklist kind of just use up energy, which I maybe don't have right now, and actually I know that that's going to be. There. You know what I mean? Like I know I'm gonna be I I can lock in without doing all the things on this, you know, like sheet kind of thing. Right. And and I also like I just find that I've through kind of getting better and bit more familiar with the process i've got better at like improvising and actually i prefer yes. yeah. in a lot of instances to improvise and so i don't like to over prep because i then get in my notes and i'm sat just staring at my notes it's why i always find like the beginning of campaigns so hard because you're like, yeah. I'm like oh, i've got yeah, so I'm much lore to get through you know what i mean before i can get to the point where everyone's in the tavern just dicking about and having
2: a good yeah, you time you kind of just and- want to like brain dump directly into your players heads yeah yeah, mm.
0: I feel like this. See again, I'm I'm being a little hesitant of what I'm saying because I don't like saying how much I prep or don't prep. That I, oh, <laughs> I, yeah. I guess I did. Okay, so I guess I've answered the question with my action by a, by asking this question. so i guess i like to hear more you like to i mean i i I would like (laughs) to say it it's just like sometimes i feel like it gets not not taken out of context but like as people who make stuff you're like oh yeah i do that so i'm going to use jasper's Mm. thing as a jumping off point because it's a very good way to describe it yes i used to prep a ton and then i'm like oh wow i ran the session without prepping and now i feel like i prep a lot on stuff i want to prep a lot like Building yeah. out, like, yeah. make, I've been trying really hard to um, get better at describing settings, and I've done really hard to try to, um, like, give people definable characteristics, like, uh, clothing. Uh, so I'm prepping mm. that, and i want like, if I don't write this down, I'm going to be very bad at doing it in the moment, so I need to write it down. Uh, and then yes. I end up making, like, whole other games, games inside of games, and things. I, I have very, like... um unbalanced prep sometimes they do a ton of prep on one part of a session and then i leave the rest open because i'm much better at improving than i used to be five years ago
2: i think uh, yeah, yeah. very much the same where it's like you kind of call your shots when there's mm-hmm. a session you know is kind of on rails in a sense you're kind of like okay great and it's in.
0: already like set up so yeah. i'm like let's see how this plays yeah. out like yeah. you
2: know what the first yeah. beat is and then your players will decide the rest it's like okay great but then there's also the session where your players are like, hey, we buy an in-world magazine called The New Orker, and then you make a 32-page real-life New Yorker magazine. Right,
0: exactly. Which I did during the pandemic. Tight. <laughs> I'll send it to you. It's very good. Awesome. I want to yeah. see that. Yeah, we'll link it. Do you want to link it in the episode description? Oh, I'd love to link it in the episode description. Alright, make sure to send it. I'll <laughs> link it in the episode description.
1: Amazing. I think, uh, for me, it's like, so this is a really good example. I'll do a ton of prep for like a big combat of course. session yeah. that we're going to do because, for instance, like, just mechanically, I want to be as in the moment as possible when I'm running multiple you know, characters. We've got environmental stuff going yes. on. I want to know what's happening in the map. I like to use theater of the mind as well, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to have like a ton of minis and stuff so it's all relying on me keeping this very consistent image in my head so i'll prep like a madman for combat but then the session after a big combat i almost never prep a single thing Mm -hmm. because i always think there's such a beautiful kind of catharsis which falls after like a big huge you know especially if it's like we're talking like almost like end of an arc type combat i really want to know what the how the players are feeling after that what they want to do and so i've really tried to just like hand over the the reins to the players in that moment to be like you know where are your guys at after this because this has been a harrowing experience this has been a you know a potentially world-altering experience people might have died got really hurt you know all you know you might have revealed things all this kind of stuff so i really then hand over so I, i think To just to jump off what you said, Eric, it's a very unbalanced uh, prep because it's very much about like some sessions I'll plan loads, other sessions I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm going to go in with as much of an open mind as I possibly can so I can just respond off of what people want to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, True. That's certainly true. I want to have an entire conversation about running initiative on a podcast, but I think that might take us for the rest of the time <laughs> and we have other questions. We easily. To <laughs> easily. But I'm 100% <laughs> agree with you. Again, there's a thing. I don't want to say I don't prep because it's like I did all my prep in the beginning of the arc or in the last session, yeah. and then I'm just going to let it go yeah. and see what happens. Like, yeah, I could keep playing for another three hours because everything I need to know is already done in play. So I'm 100% with yeah, you.
2: Yeah, definitely a pre-prep. Can up, I can sure. I just tell you Please. one quick thing about initiative that I think you, if you don't already know, you might like? So quick. Yes,
0: because uh, you're going to reveal my trap card. So this isn't
2: d initiative, but uh, the re- recent game uh, Die, the RPG, yes. from Roanwork and Deckard, Kieran Gill, and Stephanie Hans. Uh, their initiative, they have initiative in the game, but it's defined by which character is most narratively important. So like whoever it makes sense to go first goes first, and then you choose as a group who goes next. That that's is pretty in the, cool. That is Whoa. in the book, and also in the book is uh, a great line, it's like talking about how to prep for a session, and the last line of it is, if you've read this far, you should stop prepping. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's fair. Uh, so, uh, excellent book. We we read a great season about die. I'm, I'm, now I'm pitching my first dungeon, but I think That is a great note on initiative. Like, who does it make sense for? Mm -hmm. Who's narratively important here? Is it Bob who's fighting his evil, long lost uncle? Bob's going first, baby.
0: No, I like it. It's more about like going, it's like, all right, you go and then you go and then you go. I feel like that's sure. like that's inherently against the narrative flow of actual play. And I just like, yeah, I should play a different game, you know, on some
3: it's Like
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But
0: I I always try to come up with other stuff.
1: One thing that I have started doing, this apologies this is the last it's one. Fine, I promised, it's fine, uh, it's fine, it's fine. One thing that I have started doing is and I and I found it really, really helps my players in between rounds, just as like a random bit of advice, is doing a round summation at the end. Yes, that's good. Yeah. Basically like going back through everyone's turns to basically say like so what happens is you like Eric swings in with a sword cuts under here the guy kind of parries that one attack and goes here then you come in with this spell which gets deflected and do you know what I mean it just I think it adds that kind of like slightly cinematic element yeah. where everyone then yeah. kind of really understands the concept of this is all happening at the same time and also I found that it leads to then some interesting things for me as a DM because I suddenly put everything together at the end of the round and i go oh actually like if that did all happen at the same time maybe this is going to happen at the top of the round Mm. you know what i mean you've deflected they've deflected this spell which careened into the ceiling and do you know like just little things like that that i'm like oh we can do something here that might make like a top of the round layer action a bit more interesting than just like Fog appears because they're vampires. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which, again, nothing wrong with that, but like. Uh, you know. I need
0: that clip. For just, I want to make that my text tone is you saying that. Fog appears. Fog appears because <laughs> they're vampires. Fog appears because they're vampires.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god two reads Can for you. Do you
0: want yeah. to make that your. Yeah. I want tone. it to be a yeah, ring back yeah. tone. When someone calls oh, me, they better. hear it. That would be <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fog appears. Eric will be at the phone momentarily. Yes. That's
0: a wild <laughs> yeah.
1: thing that we don't have. That, that That's not an option. Exactly. It used to be. That it shouldn't... was
0: only a thing like in the early to, early and mid 2000s. I remember like I was so, so jealous back. of my friends that had them. Yeah, yeah I thought yeah. it was so cool. It's like they were playing pop punk to you while the, you called them. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, the thing is, I'm mostly thinking this is just for people that I want to annoy yeah. because I'm pretty good 100%. at answering quickly for if I want to annoy. But like, I'm just thinking if you're on... Like, if you spam call me and then you get Nyan Cat, like, you deserve that. You know what I mean? You deserve to have that in your brain for the next, like, five hours. I'm just thinking of that
2: John Mulaney bit. Uh, what's new, pussycat? Yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: perfect. <laughs> or just like a, hey, it's me. Uh, and then, like, a nice big gap and then and a fake out. The, the tone starts yeah. again. Yeah, a little fake out. Love that. And then it goes to my voicemail.
2: Oh. <laughs> and the voicemail it also has a fake out yeah that's terrible i (laughs) want to make that so
1: bad (laughs) the reason that you hate eric is because you know that eventually you're gonna try calling me that's what you're gonna (laughs) it's like oh it's
0: like your voicemail is gonna be like oh hey what's up eric uh oh if you can't hear me i'm just in the bathroom right now boop just kidding it's a voicemail
2: amazing (laughs) long cut if you choose a person's name because then a bunch of people don't get it. i would pick eric i
0: think excellent joke that that is commitment to the bit (laughs) I think that we've started to hit a lot of these questions. I just want to say some of the ones that we've already answered, like sneaky sloths. What things should you prepare before a session? And what things shouldn't you prepare uh, a session? Any stories about preparing for the wrong thing or not preparing the right thing? I think that we hit that as well. But I do want to touch on this, which is uh, from Aiden. What's a complication you came across while planning or playing on Mike that completely blindsided you?
2: I, I got this one. We were playing the game Die. And die is basically goth Jumanji. You're, uh, yes. you're players and you get you get sucked into your DD game. It's awesome. If you haven't checked it out, I absolutely recommend reading both the comic that is like Hugo nominated and the RPG. And players go into the world and they're talking about, they have their first battle and they're like, oh, we got to go to the nearby village. And I was doing the thing that DMs sometimes have to do where they take notes on what the players have just said because it's a lot of improv. They've sure. said a lot of names of things. So I'm writing it down to make sure I remember. And one of my players named Chinook Tissera is our kind of resident chaos gremlin. Of course. Uh, he's a, a great stand-up comedian in, in New York. And I so I stopped listening for like 30 seconds. And he like my my he said something. My brain tuned back in, rewound, and like caught up. And I realized that he said, "Oh yeah, that town down there f- made up entirely of children." And everything <laughs> I had planned for that town could not be done with children. <laughs> So I was just like just so scrambling. <laughs> we, well, so so I made it. It, it was true. We they, we got to the town and we kind of like spotted it. It as like these are ancient. These are like four hundred year old people, but they all look like children. And very oh, and real very quickly, anime. Very vibes, quickly, yeah. I was like, I was describing mm. the Willy Wonka world. Like, oh yeah, there's like a bicycle that's on a tightrope going across. And there's all these kids drinking alcoholic chocolate milk and stuff. And then oh yeah, and then you see uh, so there's some normal elves as well. And we only talk to the normal <laughs> elves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, isn't that what you want, though, your players to participate? Like oh, sometimes they get I get really, it. I love it. It's like, so I, I don't want like I don't want this to be Eric monologuing at you and you tearing me like I'm a visual novel. Like, I do want what? you to mess to to put something in there because it's like it's like a game of hot potatoes I listen to the Eric monologuing actual play though. I'm just, you know what I mean? I listen to the I appreciate that. that. Like, I mean, it helps
2: that I'm the best DM in podcasting.
1: You are the best DM in podcasting. That's what you was about to say. I was about to say you're the best DM in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I keep hearing
2: this. I keep hearing this get banded around, and I, I've, I've yet to see the the proof in the pudding. Like,
1: yet. It's funny how there there truly is only two people banding this around. It's me and Eric, <laughs> and the two people that are saying this
2: currently. But it's going to catch it's on. all over my feed somehow. I don't lots know what you guys have done are, to my lots feed Lots of people but... are
0: saying it. A lot of people are saying it. They really like it. It's all happening. That's the first <laughs> time, time I've done a happen. Trump no. impression. I can't believe I just did that in 2023. 20, yep. yep. Here we are. It's so relevant. You should you should keep developing that skill.
2: And I, w- pay off. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the first person to
0: do a Trump impression. Uh, Oh uh, God! Um, yeah. Well, as the best DM in podcasting for sure. Thanks for not uh, disputing it, Brian. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, but I, you, I. The best games of the best tabletop RPG games are a game of hot potato, where it's like yes. where everyone is really competent, and you get to throw it to each other, and all of you are trying to do it not mm. to put a foot down, trying to trip someone up necessarily, but just to like toss them. Toss them the hot potato. I've been I've been telling, especially when I have new players at my table, I like
2: to tell them, "Don't try to break the world, but know that you won't break the world. Like That's a good one. do whatever you want; it's going to be fine as long as you're not malicious." Yeah. And and I think I've been so on my first Dungeon, We play a lot of games, and a lot of them recently have been GMless or like more collaborative. So I like love Wander GMless Homes.
0: games; they're so good. Actually, this is my tip for mm. GMS out there
2: and for players. If you haven't played a GMless game like Wander Home or something. Go try it out just once. It there is something really great and rewarding about learning to let go a little bit of some of what you've created, having that be a more collaborative space. And it's really fun to like get to a big moment in a game that you're GMing, like you are the, you know, capital G, capital M GM, and going to your players and being like, So this guy walks up, he's got, you know, the relic in his hand what does this person look like? I love that. And like letting them Mm. build the world because then when someone else gets to build some of those big moments, they become so much more invested in what that thing is. Like a lot of times players just get to build the goofs and spoofs of a game. But if you let them build the like the hard outlines of a world as well, they're going to really care about that thing.
1: This is something really, really important as well. Like I will always at the start of a new campaign get everyone get every player to just if it's like a big campaign or if it's like an ongoing thing i will always get players to tell me what their hometown their home area you know looks like who's there what the houses look like, what music they play on festival days, what, you know what I mean? Like st- like just as much detail as I can, because this works twofold. A, it gives them a huge amount of investment in the world, which you can then extrapolate out, you know what I mean? Because you can make that town or that city a bit notorious and other people have heard of it and they can be talking about it in cross chatter and stuff like that, which is really enjoyable for the player. But also it gives you, the DM, the, the exactly what this player is is after like what kind of things they want to do and see because you're like inherently as a player you're going to describe something that you're like is really close to your character is really yeah. close to the vibe that yeah. you're after and do you know what I mean so it's going to teach you some stuff about your players which you can then use to kind of again like reverse engineer get them engaged do you know yeah. what I mean if they describe this super gothic noir you know cathedral which his family lives in then it's like okay cool this this dude's probably going to want some like gothic stuff in the campaign and that's like going to increase that level of buy-in because they'll also feel like oh that's kind of like my hometown like m- maybe i kind of do you know what i mean it's like i think that there's a that increases buy-in for sure
2: so, so i still have a podcast called the 20-sided podcast which is like our kind of law like our more traditional actual play show and i for a while i was doing a companion show called cannon fodder and the idea of it was I'd mm. bring on people, we'd spin the wheel of world building and it would have like a thing and we'd build the world that we're going to be playing in. So like, of course, it would have like, you know, sayings or greetings or minced oaths or, you know, food or something. And every single episode, the same thing happened without fail. I'd bring on like a comedian and we'd spin like, oh, food. And I'd say, OK, we're going to go to this continent. What do they eat here? And they'd, like, I had Tim Platt on uh, from Rude Tales of Magic and he said they eat mud. Like every comedian made well, like.
0: Do I also say that's what Tim Platt would say? Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> and he also eats mud. And every single comedian came on and they'd said like the dumbest poop joke to start. But then I would dig into them for like 45 minutes, and be like, all right, so they eat mud. Let's let's like dig into that. What is that mud made of? Why? Why do they eat it? What's the about
0: consequences it? of their actions? No, you, you dig it.
2: But every single time without fail, the comedian would start with like the goofiest spoof they could ever think of. And by the end, they yep. were incredibly invested in the thing they built. And it could have been as dumb as food. But the second you bring it up one time in a campaign. Sure. They're so fucking pumped to see it.
0: This is a question that I think is important because there are f- three more questions I super want to hit. Hell yeah! Uh, mm. Is So the first thing is, hey, uh, because you brought up comedians. Hey, just to say, uh, do you need to have done uh, four UCB classes to be in actual play? No. No. I
1: don't know. I, I recently found out what UCB was. <laughs> <laughs> so Jasper, no, you don't have to make your <laughs> so sound, no. so,
0: sound less American. It's fine. Uh, no, I'm not American, man very nice UCB how much
1: <laughs> I want to clarify that was not the voice I was <laughs> no, that doing. was what I was doing I was doing I was doing, more. I was doing uh, this one I don't know what it is to be we honest we are
0: two different guys very nice <laughs> we're just two wild and different crazy guys We've never done you any improv yeah.
1: absolutely not uh, but as you could tell by that little improv that I just wow. did I am in fact a professional without going to UCB so no you don't
2: Safe. and honestly Safe. if you watch actual play if you've watched a season of Critical Role you've learned enough about like improvising and performing like by consuming stuff like that you are kind of actually learning even if you're not trying to
0: yes
1: you you've seen good and bad yeah this is genuine little uh, a thing i used to and this is no word of a lie i used to despise improvising i used to I absolutely hate it with a fiery passion I, at drama school i was like the least funny dude when it came to improvising cuz i couldn't get out of my own mm-hmm. head i absolutely hated it i was like give me a script yes. give me, tell yes. me where to stand yes. and I'll do it I did not enjoy it at all but the second I started playing Dungeons and Dragons I was like oh wait I can do this I love improvising now to the point where I've even considered doing an improv show which is you know it, I'm still a couple of years <laughs> off but like I've thought about it you mm-hmm. know what I mean and that's a really big journey for me so I would say that like D&D can be a good improv school honestly
2: for when I first moved to New York City I fell into a group of a bunch of comedians a bunch of them were improvisers a bunch of them were stand-ups and I was a comedian, but I was the magician, so they'd have me on their shows, and like, you know, I'd be the break from all the improv comedy. So funny. <laughs> uh, but I, but they, I went to a ton of improv one one shows, and every single time I went, I'd be like, "This would just be better if you wrote it down and like edited it. Like, if you made this into a sketch, it would be good." Uh, I was like, every improv set would be better if it was a sketch. If you took time and like did some stuff, and I think my career Ooh. choices in general have kind of reflected that. But now I kind of someone says something to me that really impacted me that. You cannot film danger like you can't capture danger. It can only be experienced in the room. Mm. And I think actual play gets probably the closest to that, like especially live streams and things, because when you see someone improvising there, there is a certain amount of collaborative fear that everyone has in the room of like wishing for someone to do well. And like that exciting energy can only exist if it is being made up in the moment. And I think that's the same reason why, oh, like, when we see in action movies, like, if you know that the the driving stunt actually happened with a car, like, you know, baby driver, you know that there's actually a driver doing those stunts. Yes, mm-hmm. It hits. Even if the stunt's not crazy, it's just like a guy going around a turn in a cool way. It really hits. You feel it. But then when you see cars jumping out of buildings in Fast and the Furious, it doesn't, like, it's cool to see its spectacle, but you don't feel it in the same way. Yeah, yeah, it's the Mission Impossible thing again, yeah. over
1: again. It's like, it's like, holy shit, they actually,
2: they actually did that. Yeah. what the it, hell? It feels like just inherently, and maybe there'll be a time when, like, you know, AI and CGI is like, can no, replicate we are it. not talking about maybe.
0: that. I'm, but, but <laughs> I'm putting my X card down. Okay, so, talking about AI, <laughs> oh,
2: oh, my only point is, my only point is, I, I don't anticipate there's ever gonna be a time when like something can generate or something. hundred oh, percent can make that feeling of danger. It kind of has to be present. I think we just inherently know it. And that's the exciting part about improv, like seeing live theater and live performance. And I think actual play gets the closest of any of the like art forms to replicating that while still being recorded.
0: Yeah. I also want to say that, like, I find that improv is only one thing that goes into good actual play. I think to use a sports metaphor here um, is like, you know, you see Usain Bolt run and he's so fast, right? I think it's even, it's more interesting to me if someone who's incredibly good at like at American football or football or basketball is also crazy fast and like six foot four and can do the skills the most, it's just one element, part of this game and do Doing the game, doing this thing that pulls together all this other stuff. I mean, I think in baseball, in American baseball, is you have to have all these tools. Like mm. being a five tool player means you're like good at hitting and like throwing and, and, and catching and, fielding and, all this and batting, and fielding. Yes, and like that's what I think is this. It's this amalgam of all these different things instead of just one thing, which is why I yep. love like crunchier actual play shows that isn't just like disguised. Long form improv, sure. because that's another thing. Sure. Then I'd rather just go watch someone sprint mm. instead of pretending that like a game of soccer is a track meet. You know what I mean? So I think that that's. Sure. I just want to yeah, say yeah, that okay. it's one. It's one element of everything involved. I wanted to, there's one question here from Lyle. Uh, How do you balance polishing things for release without losing that organic feeling? What you were saying about the danger. Is there, there is a sweet spot that feels like a fly on the wall of friends playing D&D, but with all the five minutes to look up the rules, go to the bathroom and get snacks removed. But seamlessly, I would also say there's a lot of other stuff that gets removed or added or enhanced on top of that. Like, is there a balance? How is finding that balance going? So I I may not be the one to answer this, if I'm honest, because I'm pretty
2: far on the far end of production. I do an intense amount of post-production sound design music because I really love it. I really like it. Um, But I do try to keep in because ultimately the conceit of my first dungeon in the show is that we're teaching you to play a game. We're bringing people together who've never played it. And we're learning together. Like our hope is like, we're helping you learn new games. Like, try yeah. this new thing. It's fun. It's, it's different. You don't just need to play d You can try these other games that can get you closer to the story you want to tell rather than using, like, the Swiss Army RPG of d d mm-hmm. But because of that, I cut out a ton, a ton, a ton of, like, little moments. I don't know if I hit the sweet spot. I hope I do. But I think as long as you keep in the soul of it, the goofs and the spoofs of people at the table, like all I'm cutting out is like ums and ahs and dead space. Like I'm trying to cut out the things that make people sound like they're thinking a little bit, but I keep in the moments where they're making the decision. So you you cut out some of the thought, but you keep in the decision. And when you're using, you know, sound effects and music, I'm not trying to hide things. I'm trying to amplify because ultimately when you're at the table, the world in your head at the table is so vast and like when you're playing D&D like you hear the soundtrack in your head Mm -hmm. in those like most epic moments all I'm trying to do with music and sound design is replicate that experience that's happening at the table and like how epic and cool and badass it is To people who weren't there and can't quite experience it in the same way because they're not actively participating Mm.
1: yeah i don't uh i don't think there is a sweet spot to be honest i think because i think it's a uh, it's a really unique impersonal thing like the vibe you know what i mean like some people absolutely love critical role which is four hours like no real edits all like live in the moment uh like you know music and and whatever being played some people love Dimension Twenty, which is more edited, and then some people love like Dark Dice, for instance, which is like even further than Dimension yeah. Twenty, which is like. Yeah.
0: And all of our on all of our home games, Jeff Goldblum
3: shows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you
1: go. But I just, I mean, that like it's a very personal thing as to like what you enjoy when listening to an actual play. You know, I loved listening to JTP because I loved the flow of it. It felt very filmic. It felt for me, it felt very visual, which sounds weird. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It felt less like I, f- I was, I was less uh, thinking about you guys sat around a table or on a zoom playing the game i was more thinking about like the visuals of the world you know what i mean whereas some people like that seeing you know some people want to see like the dimension 20 thing of like imagining the people at the table and those the people that i know and like and etc so i just think it's a the the piece of advice i would say if someone's looking to do this do whatever you enjoy because ultimately you need to be able to sustain it and you want to be able to keep kind of continue doing it but also i think that's the easiest way for you then to feel like uh, to, to Brian's point, exactly that when you're capturing the soul of the show. Yeah. Because I think that's for me, that's exactly where I'd say is the most important thing, making sure that you keep the essence of whatever you found at the table.
2: I, I think I agree with you. I don't think there's a sweet spot. There There is that spectrum and you get to choose where you decide on it. I do think there are some like minimum thresholds you should hit, because if you're trying to make an actual play that's going to be on mic, you have to remember that there's a player that is not at your table. That's the audience that's going to be consuming this as well.
0: Yeah. I think so, to, to to help yeah. this a little bit, I think the thing you need to remember is that it's not a home game. That's more the thing is like, you know, Jasper, it's mm-hmm. funny, those two examples you put up of Dimension 20 and Critical Role, it's like, yeah, Critical Role is just a game of four of friends uh, recording, just playing for four hours. Like those yeah. guys are also all professional voice actors. They're professional actors. And like all Absolutely. these people and so many people work on Dimension 20 right like right. look at those credits so many people yeah, work there so many. and I just think it's more like minimum threshold I agree with you but it's also to say like minimum threshold is that we are professionals making art and like that's the thing that you don't want to confuse yes. yes, is that like people are are it's there 100%. is no sweet spot because it's not the same and I worry that once people forget that once people think it's like wow this is the best home game I've ever seen I know but the vibes are home gamey and that's the soul of what you're talking about yeah. it's, a, it's a soul mm. Ooh. of a thing you do at home, yes. but it's being raised by an artistic floor, and it's a different thing, and yet it's a different thing.
2: Yes, for sure. I, and I think the only thing to remember, especially like with – this is very specific to podcast or actual play, mm-hmm. is there are moments in every game where if you're at the table, it makes sense to have silence, and like if some, if you see someone's face going, mm, ah, mm, mm but they're not saying anything that's exciting and that communicates information visually. But when it's just audio, just a whole bunch of silence, that doesn't make any sense. Right. It's just Ooh. cutting out those things that don't translate. I think that's the only like, yeah. floor and, and trying to get rid of distractions with like, you know, make sure your mics are set up right and, you know, make things sound good so that the mm. audience can come in and just be interested in the story and the home game and the the vibes that they're hearing and not be distracted by anything else that's happening because of technical or because of translation issues between something that is a collaborative, you know, in-person medium being rendered for the purely audio form
1: absolutely yeah Yeah, you have to know the form you have to know the form and you have to know what your form is you know what i mean like what format is your show taking is it going for that more home game vibe is it going for you know and that's still to exactly to eric's point you're still going to be a certain conceit to that because you are going to have to edit it to make it feel more home gamey for a podcast audience because it is a curated show but it's important that you understand what is the form what is the vibe that we're giving three black halflings is chaos (laughs) people love the chaotic energy that we have So for us, it's about cutting a lot of like dead air out of like actual play stuff and making sure it feels zippy, but then leaving in all the like insane gaffes that we do. And we go on for like 10 minutes talking about how this camel is obsessed with my character and wants to like try and form a legal marriage with him. Because that's That's the soul of the show. Exactly. That's the soul of the show.
2: Exactly. And, And I just want to do a quick addendum here. And I know everyone says this and I hated it before I started things like every filmmaker <laughs> every famous filmmaker says this the equipment doesn't matter i just want to say that real quick because if you're thinking of doing this and are like oh but there's so many barriers to entry i did a whole series in the 20 sided newsletter about like how you can do this cheap it's and, good and just to be very specific like our upcoming season of good society uh one of our players is katie maravich she bought a 60 dollars microphone that plugs directly into her computer uh, and that's what we used and it sounds great like you yep. do not need to break the, bank the
1: best equipment that you can get for, f- for recording a podcast is silence mm. if you can get yes. <laughs> to a quiet place great line generally you date like the mic will it doesn't matter so much the reason that podcasters buy more expensive mics is because it means that i can leave windows open on hot days and it's <laughs> less of an issue that's the only reason we buy more expensive mics is so that it, the recording is more fun but like generally if you can be somewhere quiet you'll be fine yeah
2: I love oh, that. That's a great. I'm going to like get that on a t-shirt or something. That's so good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually caught that was like, great. I came that. up yeah. that in the moment and I was like, ah, this is oh, but see, good, but now actually. you ruined it. Because it yeah, was, now, now we know it's it yeah, improvised. I know. Yeah. Now we're luxurious. I yeah. thought you. I don't want to know if you had written it down or you just came to you. It, I, it's, I need to exist in the moment. <laughs> oh, Actually, no, you know what? I kind of like knowing that it was improvised. Like, I, like, oh, it, no, oh genius it. does just right. happen sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we are now getting into this point, and I think it's our last question. This is from Marina. What's something you wish you knew when you started out making actual plays? Mm. Now, this is different from all of us. I think it's important for all of us to go around and say, what year was it when we put out our first actual play episode?
2: uh 2001 2001 i think so 2000 oh sorry 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 oh my god 2021 Oh,
0: 2021. <laughs> 2001. Oh, whoa. That's just a, just oh. a
2: solid 20-year difference. It's a, yeah, dude. I was
0: recording 3.5. No one liked it. It was wild. Uh, it, I, I used to download it on people's iPods How did them. you even have the equipment? Like, It's like, yeah, I was listening to an edit of it when 9-11 happened. It was crazy. I was 10 and just killing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, think, I think 2021. Okay. I think mine was 2017. And Jasper, I think yours was twenty twenty, yeah?
1: Yeah, twenty yeah, twenty twenty.
0: Pretty sure it was the end of summer. It was like September twenty twenty, I wanna say. That man, that's wild. Uh yeah. so before that, in the weeks in the days and weeks before, what's one thing you could give a piece of advice to yourself?
1: Okay, so I think, Eric, as the elder statesman of the group here, uh, you should you go should first. <laughs> or last. I don't know. It's up to I'll you. Elder, you I, I, I'll defer to you as the one who's, you know, done this. Yeah, longest, I'll go
0: first. I, as the professional. I, oh, the thank room. you. I'm very, pro- <laughs> I'm super, super professional. <laughs> so professional. Um, <laughs> I think the thing that I think about the most and I wish I had, like, embodied is just, like, do your own thing and mm. lean into your own thing. Because mm. I think at the time... In 2017... The adventure zone is popping off. And now everyone is making well, everyone's starting to make an actual play podcast. And like there's this thing called critical role that seemed really hard to get into. And some guys in Acquisition Incorporated, it was too dense, that I did not really understand what was mm-hmm. happening over there, right? So it's like everything mm. was come stemming off of the adventure zone. And then I needed to remember, like, well, the adventure zone really just came up because Griffin McElroy got his hands on fifth edition early because he's a video games critic, and they got to play this game. That no one else had done. they were first, right? And then once mm-hmm. someone's first, you got to do something that's yours because it can't you can't yes. try to just chase the thing that exists. The reason why we made it during the party is like there were a bunch of things that I think that we wanted to do that were different, but it was in response to the adventure zone and not like, oh, I want to do this and have it exist. Because it's the thing I want to do. And like, I feel like I'm finally coming into my own on this on campaign three, like this year, I'm doing the shit that I want to do. And that's me and the most hour show possible. And it took me a very long time to get there. But I wish I had known that from the beginning. It's like, do the thing you think is good and then lean into it as hard as possible, because some things will develop and you just cannot try to chase the first thing
2: Mm, like that.
0: So I want to give two. I want to give a very technical one
2: and then a kind of broader one. The very technical one is back up all your stuff. Good one. Good one. Go buy two hard drives because there is a very real chance I would not be right here because we had recorded the first four episodes of 20 Sided Podcast. I was editing at a cafe in the West Village. Mm -hmm. I was packing up. My drive fell on the ground. It fell two feet. When I spun it back up, it went click, click, click. It had all my information on it. And it took me two and a half days to download all the information I needed at like one kilobyte a second or something. I still don't have the raw files for the first four episodes. And honestly, that is the most devastated i've possibly ever been like when i realized i almost lost it soul just left my body here and (laughs) and even worse worse, (laughs) i had fully edited two and a half episodes oh no i spent hours yes i
1: can't i can't i can't it makes me i immediately uh, it
0: makes
2: me feel like i'm gonna be sick
1: (laughs) uh,
0: because it was first like it's not. always like oh i'm gonna do the old house style you were literally making it up you were literally like that was all ground out of your head of like making choices Jesus. It was it was so devastating. And and like so
2: this is my very technical thing. 321 backup system. Yeah. You should have three different uh things that you're backing up to, so like three different places in two different formats. So like two on
0: hard drives, one and on one McLaren. and one copy somewhere yeah. weird just in case. Yes. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Tr- That's yeah. my favorite one. That's why my mom has a backup of my laptop just in Nashville, <laughs> just and, in case. And, and like storage now is pretty cheap go out,
2: buy three LaCie rugged hard drives that are two terabytes. I've had the same one since I started the show. So like two and a half years and they're just yep. filling up now.
0: Also, lace or Lacey's, Lacey, they're yeah. pretty.
2: I think they're very yeah, they're pretty. Cute, they also nice. look cute. So that's my very practical advice. Just go do that. That's, of all the investments to make, that's the one you make because if you lose stuff, it truly, 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 truly hurts. The bigger one is, I wanted to make an actual play podcast after I heard The Adventure Zone, which was probably mm-hmm. for me back in like, 2017, 2018, and it took me until 2021 to make it because there were so It felt like there were so many obstacles in the way because I would hear like Brent Lee Mulligan or critical. I think it was more Matt Mercer being like, you know, I prepped for four hours or or you get the things where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I took a bunch of comedy classes, so
0: I just made it up right. and it felt like the barrier to entry was so high. And it just isn't. Mm. That's what happened, I think, in the time. I don't know, Jasper, if you like juked it or something. And be, you you guys are just like, oh, there's no black people in actual play. We should make this, which is an incredible fucking reason to make something. And I'm so glad <laughs> it exists. But it's like, man, those walls went up, I think, around as, as soon as the pandemic hit. Like if you're starting something you've never done before, if you've never edited audio, you've never recorded audio, it
2: will be hard for a second. Yeah. Like, just accept that, like learning any new skill. It's going to suck for a little while as you're trying to figure it out. It does not suck that bad. And it's you get to play fun games with your friends. So if you're thinking about doing it, go read the articles that I did in 20 Side Newsletter. It'll do a lot to get you there. If you've listened to these shows, you already kind of inherently know how to make this. Go get friends that are as excited about this as you and just do it. Yeah. Start your artistic um, practice for sure. It's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I just i quickly comment on what you said, Eric, because I think that is something that is worth noting in this particular like question, which is that like, yeah, w- like w- I didn't know. And I'm so glad I didn't, because if I had, I wouldn't have started the show. Like fundamentally, if I'd have been more in the TTRPG space before, yeah. I wouldn't have started the show. There's no way.
0: I'm glad. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's incredible that the show to just praise you and the existence of three black halflings in the first place, because I still remember finding the show independently. And I met you like a year and a half afterwards. It's like this thing. That's totally different from a, to- from a different location from people who we haven't seen before. And then all of a sudden it's on Headgum. It's incredible. I know that Jasper, I mm. joke that it's like your Cinderella, but like, it's so good that it's out of nowhere so that it's something totally mm. different. And I mean that like in the truest and absolute way. Sometimes something being started in like a vacuum, yeah, in a thank you, is something being started in a vacuum allows it not to be hampered by the fear that I was seeing when when the show was going, and that was hampering Brian from starting in the first place.
1: Yeah, or well, the fear that I have now. <laughs> like, I think... We all like, have trauma. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I think it was it was very much like, I remember Google it, I went on YouTube and I typed in Black D&D, and the first thing that came up was a Terry Crews one-shot, and I was like, we have to do better.
3: Um, Jesus. So,
1: like, I, that was, do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, we have to do better, I started the show. That was, like, the extent of the research that I did on, like, TTRPG.
0: I'm so, so glad. I had I'm, to if do... you had gotten, like, one page lower, I don't know if you would have shown... Exactly. Exactly. It was,
1: I would have stopped. I would have stopped immediately. Yeah. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that I would say is, yes, I completely agree with you. I think comparison is like the death of art. Like, it's yeah. just like, it's so unhelpful. It's so like negative and it's so counterintuitive, right? Because it's just like the people that listen to you aren't doing those comparisons. You know what I mean? Like, if I like a thing, I like, I literally listen, my two, most listened to podcasts are two sports podcasts about the same team (laughs) they do exactly the same thing exactly the same thing do i compare them no do i care about when one is more edited than the other no do like i couldn't care less i just want to consume as much of that thing that i like as possible so and and i think this is the thing this is the maybe this is the bit that i would love to say now it's like you don't have to be original all the time you don't have to be you don't have to reinvent the wheel uh, as much as like I, I always preach like don't try and be the new critical role or whatever. Just make something, enjoy making something, and then once you've made something. If it's working, great, carry on. And if it's not, then allow yourself to, like, have those tweaks Mm. and make those changes and stuff. But you don't have to, like, don't inhibit yourself from starting by going, you know, that's been done there and that's been done there. Because it's just like, well, then no one will ever start anything. But also remember, like, (laughs)
2: literally everyone out there is a patchwork of other people. Like, everyone is a collage. No one has your lived experience that, like, so you think, like, like, and I, I deal mm. with this too as like a bit of imposter syndrome. Like I know where all my influences are. So I see what I make mm. and I'm like, oh well, this is just the prisoner, and this is just Doctor Who, and this is this is this and this is this this is dimension twenty. But if you're not living in my experience and understanding all those things, you don't
0: see it as a patchwork of yeah, things. Dude. You
2: see it as a completed piece of art. Yeah.
0: Can I say also because um mm-hmm. Wes Anderson has a new movie out, like Wes Anderson mm-hmm. and Quentin Tarantino? Say that they're stealing shots from 1950s movies oh, yeah. and 60s movies. And they're like, yep. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. And I'm gonna do it. And like right. it's not stealing. Yeah. Like I know I just said stealing, but it's not. It's it's pastiche. Also, Jasper, the thing you said about rounding things up, the first time I saw that was in uh was in the first season of Dimension nice. 20, when uh, Fabian is mm. riding on the motorcycle. And that and he summed all that thing up. Yes. And that's also where I heard that for the first time. Again, yeah. we're just saying it together because it's good practice and you can pick it up. But like, who cares that you're you're grabbing something from someone yeah. else? Yeah, You're just impressing your players and then therefore the audience because you're trying to capture the, the, the joy. The number one thing that was mo- so
1: consistent across all of my, uh, uh, every bit of drama school training that I ever did was, uh, and all teachers said this, despite the fact they w- disagreed wildly on a lot of other things, <laughs> they all said... All art is theft. There's it's just that is just the case. It is true. true. At some point somebody probably did it. Maybe they didn't do it for as many people. Maybe it was a completely different genre or a different medium or something, but like someone has probably already done it. And if you like a thing, it is not uh, like if you like through i I've always said I want there to be more shows like Three Back Half A yeah. rising tide lifts all yes. boats, all, and I really, really want to get to the point where Three Back Half is not revolutionary. It's not like something yeah.
2: new or exciting, it's just like another black podcast. It's like You awesome. want to be a lethal weapon where it's like, great. Now uh, maybe that's a bad comparison now, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: but,
1: but,
2: but, yeah. But like, no, no
1: no really want to just i want three black halflings i just want it to be lethal weapons
2: that's what, that's just what, well, I, what, what I, want. I mean yes. all the trumps of the bunny comedy come from mm. lethal weapons so i was you gonna you, say yeah, you were there now, i was yeah.
0: gonna say three black halflings is the sting oh, but, that's but, way better. but what can you, you said no no no, no, that, no, no, no no no, it's lethal weapon yeah we can cut yeah. this we can cut this no we're keeping it all Double it. No.
1: my my genuine my genuine line is always that i've always wanted three black halflings to be batman which is like the three black halflings will always be there until like the community no longer needs it you know what I mean, like, that kind of idea that whilst there's crime and Gotham, Batman will be there. It's like, whilst there's not enough diversity in the TTRPG and sort of fantasy space, Three Black Halflings will always be there. But, like, truly I hope to get to a point where it's just like... Okay, cool. Three Black Halfings can just talk about
0: normal stuff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We don't have to talk about diversity anymore. <laughs> I just really want to say that Three Black Halfings is incredible at talking about that stuff when people did not have the language. Y'all gave that to me. So it's like, mm. I understand. I know well, where you're coming from. And like, I hope that when I said how that it felt like it was. Out of nowhere, that like that's not what I'm reducing your entire stuff. Oh no! no, But
1: the thing is, it was it absolutely was, and I think it was only
0: only from like its inception.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was a a fantastic thing for me to feel. I think that helped feeling like I caught lightning in a bottle, kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Meant gave me the drive to carry on. You know what I mean? I think if if it had been a very like lukewarm response, it was way too vulnerable a premise for me personally, Mm -hmm. and I think for us as as creators to make that, and then for it to be like meh it's all right yeah have you heard it yeah, yeah it's fine like we were talking about like i was literally like during the summer of 2020 whilst we were releasing episodes i was coming to terms with my own blackness on mic <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean that was way too vulnerable like if it hadn't have been for the like outpouring of like love and like welcome that came from the community it wouldn't have carried on like it there's no way that i would have carried on doing yeah. it because it was like if i'd have just been met with like meh if you had Jasper whining about being black again I'd have been out of there
0: I think it's important that it was that. And especially how important it was Of where the game was going And See, even us creators We're still coming to term with our shit Like you do in your like you do in your games yeah, We come to term with the actual play You can see me becoming more and more overtly Jewish On Join the Party
2: 100% I just want to get out ahead of this And yeah. say I'm really bummed at myself That I compared both of these shows to a Mel Gibson vehicle It's fine No, no,
1: no, that's okay Okay, I get it. I get it. Mel Gibson, three black halflings are right oh, next to each other. Yeah. Right we love, we love the Mel Gibson comparison. Right.
0: No, <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's totally <laughs> fine. But like, I also think that like, there's also, you know, even if you stumble into, and then it became an artistic choice for three black halflings to be a variety show and to have all those mm. things, interviews and talkbacks alongside actual play. Just like join the party. The whole point of what we did was that we had the after parties to teach people how to play at the same time. That's mm-hmm. what we were doing. Cause no one was learning how to play from listening to the adventure mm. zone and critical role. Yeah you picked it up but like actual playing then there was a whole other hurdle it was yep. like the thing that got you to pick up the book but then how do you even play the thing and I think that like intention the whole thing is about like do something intentionally yes. Just is, and regardless yep. of what yep. it is do something mm-hmm. intentionally yep. folks we talked about this for a long time which I assumed we were going to do because it was great <laughs> and I love talking about this stuff all the time we didn't even touch initiative all that much I'm so happy that we did um, hey. you're all great I could really if people like hearing about this crunchy stuff uh, maybe Brian will have you back or maybe we'll add another person as I well of we'll a four-person uh, conversation uh and it's incredible uh hey brian where can people find you on the internet Oh, uh, you could find me uh, playing uh, on my first dungeon. Uh, we're about
2: to do a new season where we play Good Society. A uh, good society is like a Regency era game of balls, of balls, Jesus, of balls and parties and uh, high society and stuff. Good society, incredible game. Good set, so- yeah, incredible. Uh, if you watched uh, Dimension 20's Court of Fame Flowers, it's uh, the same system that was used there. Half, half uh, of it, half of it, half of right? it. Um, You can also find me on Twitter at Mr. Brian Flaherty. That's M-R-B-R-I-A-N-F-L-A-H-E-R-T-Y. And I I strongly encourage you to check out if you liked any of this conversation or if you just like TTRPG news and stuff. uh, The 20-sided newsletter is a newsletter I write with uh, me, Elliot Davis, uh, who's a great game designer in his own right. Um, And we talked a bunch about actual play production recently and also just talk about like cool games coming up and what we want to share and promote in the space.
0: Yes, Um, I'm definitely going to link the particular one that had uh, all the advice from the various people in the episode description.
2: Yeah, if you read nothing else, just go in and read. Uh, I got a bunch of great actual play producers to give like their biggest piece of advice. And I told them like, make it practical and make it really helpful. And Eric joined a bunch of people alongside of um, Esther Ellis, who does uh, Dungeons and Daddies. Shane O'Connell from Mission to Zix, a great improvised pod. Honestly, my favorite podcast of all time. Jeff Stormer from Party of One. Um, Jay Stroutman from Planet Arcana. Uh, But it's an excellent article with a lot of great advice. So I'd strongly encourage you to check it out.
0: Hell yeah. Jasper, where can people find you on the internet, dog?
1: Hey, uh, you can find me at JW underscore right on all of my social medias. Uh, I'm doing a bunch of shows. I'm on a new, I'm actually on uh, Dark Dice, which I mentioned oh, nice. earlier. Um, probably why it was on top of my, in my head. I had a great time playing with those guys. A very different TTRPG listening experience. If you're looking for something, uh, it's, it's a horror-based game and it is genuinely horrific and scary. And the way they edit it is equally awful. And I was <laughs> legitimately scared playing it. So that's good. Uh, I do have a bit of an exclusive. Uh, I am actually stepping down as one of the hosts of Three Black Halflings because we've actually got Mel Gibson joining ah! as one of the as one of the Black oh. Halflings. So I guess go follow Mel damn Gibson.
0: Uh, yeah, yes, for you, legitimately got me. That was pretty good. I, I was there too. I was like, wait a minute, what? what? Wow, Jeremy really oh. want in Jeremy's rider, It's that Mel Gibson eventually needed to come on. That's God incredible. Damn it. He
1: eventually, yeah. Look, he has to get on there. I can see your. I genuinely could see your faces and that's really made it much more enjoyable uh no mel gobson will never be anyone in Three black halflings uh for a plethora of obvious reasons um <sighs> but uh yeah go check that out it's uh, th- uh three i'm so I'm, like Incredible. i've ruined myself You're, now that's great <laughs> uh, uh that's three the number three uh black halflings check out the show on all the social medias and everything like that uh, eric where can people find you on the internet
0: that's right I co-host. Oh my you. god. You it's got so good. Here's the thing. Jasper's always the co-host of the show. I just like calling him the permanent guest. Yeah. It makes him sound fancy. It does.
3: It does
1: <laughs> make it sound is fancy. The my, I've literally had three people after it got announced, like three of my mates be like, ooh, permanent <laughs> guest. What's that? And I was like, dude, it's just a co-host. Like, I had
0: like three of my close friends be like, dude, congrats. Oh, yes. like, Let's like, go. Dude, That's it. so I'm validated. Like, yeah, man. Yes, okay. A bunch of <laughs> people wrote in the multitude survey, being like, I hope Jasper gets elevated to permanent co-host. I'm like, he is! It's That's a joke! So <laughs> I love I'm funny. joking! It's
1: joking. Uh, I, my heart to these people. You're Thank uh, you you incredible. So much. Very You're kind incredible. Of you. Please, please keep petitioning for me to get that promotion, oh okay? Eric is keeping me here and refuses to give me the promotion. I keep asking him, and he says, no, I'm waiting for Mel Gibson to rep- return
0: my email. Then, if he says no, then you get That was it. Brian. I, I did not this. say that. I did not say that. This is my life now. Uh, you can find me on the internet at l underscore silvero on Twitter el underscore s a l v e r o. I am on TikTok now. It's fun posting. I'm really enjoying it. You didn't say that was your name if you were a luchador. I know. Lema I was wrestler. waiting for that. Oh well, the people. I was excited about TikTok. I was excited about the luchador. <laughs> no. That's, no, that's you my name. That's my name. That's my name. Thank right. you. I'm on TikTok. I'm at Eric V Silver. I'm posting a lot of stuff. I'm trying to do this thing where I come up with a NPC. Within three minutes after rolling on it on a table, I've done two of them right now. And the thing that I've been trying to do lately that I'm setting up, I just got a new clamp so I can have two things going at the same time, is so that I don't have to do any edits. So it's just three minutes, no edits, uh, so that people can literally see me do it on the fly. So I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, TikTok's fun, man. Follow me. Uh, but all of this stuff, all these links are in the episode description. Uh, go check it out. Uh, thank you again so much, uh, Jasper, for being here as always as the permanent co-host slash guest because <laughs> you're a fancy boy. And uh, Brian, I'm really yeah. upset at the energy you brought to this. <laughs> But I'm happy you're here. Oh no! I'm sorry, everybody. I'm so
1: sorry, Brian. I came at you with the full three black halflings no,
0: double battle no, today. Fine. Like,
2: you know what? At my heart, a comedian, and goddamn it, I respect a
0: callback. It was it was hot as hell. It was absolutely hot as hell. Um, and remember, guys, like all art, there is nothing in the instructions that say anything about feelings. Games and Feelings is produced by Eric Silver and edited and mixed by Misha Stanley. The theme music is returned to French Toast Castle by Jeff Bryce and the art was created by Jessica Boyd. Find transcripts for this episode and all episodes at our website, gamesandfeelings.com. Until next time, press X to enjoy the podcast.
2: If you're hearing this, that means
0: you listen to every last second of this episode. And if you simply cannot wait until the next episode drops, you should head over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod and become a member of the Dice Pool. Fresh! For just a few bucks a month, you'll get cast talkbacks, original games, and a full-length bonus actual play each and every month. As of the end of 2023, there's already over 20 hours of bonus audio plus a whole bunch of other goodies to enjoy. So head on over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod and jump on into the dice pool. We'll see you there. Splash!